It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And Walsh off the right upright. This will be a 46-yard attempt hit from 33 earlier from the right hash. It's blocked. Blair, Blair Walsh. And Blair Walsh misses the extra point. So Blair Walsh, who has missed seven kicks this year. McDermott is the snapper. Locked on Vikings, locked on podcast network. The news broke shortly after we signed off yesterday. Blair Walsh is out, released, waived by the Minnesota Vikings. A new kicker coming in, likely Kai Forbath. Uh, the, The fall from grace for Blair was incredibly fast. It was, I think, unexpected. Nine games into the season, he is gone. First of all, Sage, your, your initial reaction to the move? Well, we're not surprised uh, by this move. This is something we talked about uh, just last week uh, when they brought in four kickers to, to work out and to see uh, who they were going to choose if they decided to move on from Blair Walsh. And I think what I said last week was, uh, if Blair misses a kick this week, he will be out. Uh, unless it's a you know 53-yarder. If this is a 42-yard field goal or an extra point, he will be out, and that's what happened. And uh, we've got a new kicker. So uh, it is, it's too bad. Uh, everyone's, everyone has liked Blair Walsh uh, as, as uh, the organization, his teammates. He's a good man. Uh, but this business, in particular with kicker, uh, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, and he has really struggled this year. Uh, obviously going back to last year, the last kick of the season that he missed versus Seattle. But really this year he has struggled. This this team and organization, organization has stayed by him uh, and tried to uh, get his confidence back. But obviously it's not working and uh, they have moved on. The Vikings have been very consistent for kickers the last decade or so with Ryan Longwell and Blair Walsh. And now they go to the free agency wire, and and they pick up Kai Forbath. But before we move on to Forbath, let's take a look at the career of Blair Walsh and how he got to this point. You've got a guy at Georgia who kicks 60% his senior year but has enough raw talent to get drafted and chosen to replace Ryan Longwell for the Minnesota Vikings. 
His rookie year is spectacular. 35 of 38. He has a 50-plus yard field goal in his first game to send it to overtime. He goes 10 of 10 from 50 and beyond that season. He was a pro bowler. Fantastic year for Blair Walsh. Then the second year, little drop-off, just 26 of 30 from uh, field goal range, still very good, 87%. Then he goes outdoors to TCF Bank Stadium. 74% he kicks, 26 of 35 from field goal range. But, you know, the Vikings are moving indoors in two years. It was worth waiting to get him back indoors. Second year at TCF Bank Stadium, rocky start, good middle, and a catastrophic finish. All told, in the regular season, he missed nine kicks in 76 tries last year. Now, for comparison, he has 35 kicks this season, and he's missed eight of 35. So really on pace to miss about twice as many as he did last season. You wonder what the beginning of the end was for Blair Walsh. Was it the the moved back extra point? Was it his struggles early last season that had people calling for a change? Was it the media pressure? What precipitated the fall for Blair Walsh? Well, I don't think anybody has any idea, uh, and I don't even—I don't even think Blair Walsh has an idea. If he knew, I, my guess is he'd be working on it. Obviously, it is mental. Uh, he was drafted because he has an unbelievably strong leg, and that was an issue with Ryan Longwell at the end of Ryan's career. It wasn't his accuracy; as it, it was his inability. Uh, to kick a 55-yard game-winning field goal. I mean, if you go back to 2009 and Bounty Gate, you know, we were in field goal range, and and we could have kicked a 56-yard field goal uh, to win it in a dome and go to the Super Bowl. And they thought that was out of uh, Ryan's uh, uh, range. And so not long after that, they moved on, and they got a kicker who had an extremely strong leg and had an unbelievable start to his career. Nobody expected Blair Walsh to kick that well as a rookie uh, from long distance. I mean, he was just unbelievable uh, early on and just slowly declined over the course of his career. Uh, kicking outdoors definitely uh, is a challenge. It's very different, in particular, in a place like Minnesota outdoors, Green Bay, Chicago. Kicking outdoors is definitely a challenge. Kicking indoors is so much easier. And... I think everybody was hoping that once they made that transition back indoors, that his numbers would come back up, Uh, but they haven't. They've gotten worse. Uh, Obviously, Blair Walsh couldn't figure it out. Uh, The the special teams coach couldn't figure it out. The head coach couldn't figure it out. And the, the only option at this point was to move on to a new kicker. Exit Blair Walsh. Enter Kai Forbath, giving the Vikings a UCLA trio in the specialist room, they have a, a former Bruin long snapper who's snapping it to a former Bruin holder in Jeff Locke with a former Bruin place kicker in Kai Forbath, 29 years old. He was undrafted and had his rookie year in 2012 with Washington. Kai Forbath, like Blair Walsh, was very good as a rookie, 94% on field goals. He also dropped off in his second year like Blair Walsh, just 82% on field goals stabilized in 2014 with a nice 89% season, but then a 10 of 15 start with Washington last year, 
led to his release. However, I think it's worth noting that in the one year he spent with the longer extra point, 34 of 35 from the 33-yard extra point. And you know, at, at its basis, that's really what the Vikings are looking for, is just a guy they can rely on to give him those free points that you hope you can count on. I mean, you hope that when you score before halftime against Washington that you can get that extra point before the locker room. And it was to the point where they couldn't even trust Blair with that, they hope that at least Forbath can solidify uh, the easiest kick in the game. Well, yeah, as a general manager and head coach and, and owner and everybody upstairs, yeah, they're counting on consistency from their kicker. And it's nice to have a guy that can knock in a 58-yarder or occasionally hit, uh, you know, kicks over 50. But anything inside 40, you have to be dang near 100% on, and that includes extra points. And they'll accept an occasional miss of kicks in the 40s, and obviously anything over 50, uh, it's probably more of a 50-50 uh, type of situation. So <laughs> they have to make those extra points. The NFL kicks extra points at a 95% success rate, and uh, the Vikings have not been doing that this year. So we will see what happens. It does help. I believe that they have a, a full UCLA reunion here. Um, the, 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 the snapper, the holder, and the kicker all being on the same page and working together for a long time is a huge help. And then normally, uh, you would have somebody who wasn't used to somebody else. The speed of the snap, uh, the type of hold, whatever it may be, I think it really does. It, it's very advantageous to this Vikings team to have three guys who have worked together in the past. What do you think the pressure level is on Kai Forbath coming in? On one hand, he really can't do much worse than Blair Walsh was doing. But on the other hand, I'm sure he feels the spotlight on him. He knows that he's being brought in to do a very specific job. And the Vikings have already proven they may not have much patience with their place kicker. Uh, How do you think Kai Forbath feels today reporting to Winter Park? Well, he's got to make his kicks. You know, I think that everybody on the team is going to be very accepting of him. Uh, they just want him to make his kicks. That's his value to the football team. It's nothing more, nothing less than that. Uh, he's got to come and make his kicks. If he doesn't, they will probably move on to the next guy uh, on their list that they worked out last week. So he's got to make his kicks or, or he'll be gone. He will have a probably fairly short uh, rope here. Um, and uh, But... You know, we'll see what happens. I'm rooting for him, and I'm sure his teammates are rooting for him, too. So we've got Chris Cluey on the program tomorrow, the former Vikings punter, and this might be a good question for him. If you are Mike Prefer, how much coaching do you do of Kai Forbath? He probably comes in, and he's probably got his own habits, his own techniques that he's learned and he's grown accustomed to elsewhere. Whereas Blair Walsh only was coached by Prefer. I mean, he was basically taught in Prefer's view of things. If Forbath comes in and he does things differently, do you think he coaches him and tries to change him, or does he let Kai kind of do what Kai does? Well, as a special teams coach, you don't really mess too much with kickers and punters unless you see something pretty obvious. For the most part, these guys are not kicking specialists. What they're specialists at is protection and covering kicks, whether it's kickoffs, punts, uh, and all those types of things, setting up returns. That's their specialty. Uh, they're more of a, you know, a secondary coach. 
than anything. You know, secondaries and linebackers. That's sort of the athletes a lot of times they're working with. Uh, so uh, they're not uh, usually is you know they're not a, a professional golf coach uh, that gets really detailed in the swing. Uh, that's not what they're usually into. Though they're the good ones have been around the game long enough and have studied kickers and punters long enough. They do understand when a punter has a, you know, a bad swing angle or a kicker is, is taking a bad step. But for the most part, they leave those fine details up to the kicker. If anything, kickers and punters will have their, sometimes their own private uh, uh, kicking coach uh, sort of on the side uh, who's more detailed and precise and all those things, but probably would know nothing about how to cover a kick or about how to set up a return. So uh, it's a very, very detailed uh, coaching position. And though I know Prefer knows some about uh, those aspects of the game, my guess is he will leave uh, this new kicker to himself. Very interesting. Hey, it's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to check out Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson. Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer. Subscribe to this show on iTunes. Leave a rating and leave a review if you please. So from a whole with the Minnesota Vikings right now, you could say the team is reeling. They've lost four consecutive. And it, whether you're a player, whether you are a coach, and I think Mike Zimmer even fessed up to this a little bit on Monday. He said they might have changed too many things. Is there temptation to get too cute and to try to change up everything, whether it's your practice schedule, whether it's the drills you're doing and, and the way you prepare for a game? Is that tempting and is that a good thing to be doing amidst a losing streak? Is it better to stay consistent with your routine? Oh, I think every coach does it differently. Some coach will change it up week to week. Some coach are, coaches are very much into routine. Some coaches are into routine, and then they'll change it up if you lose two or three games in a row. Uh, I don't think it really matters, to be honest with you. A good head coach uh, sort of has his, uh, his finger on the pulse of his football team and understands what they need, whether they need to practice harder, maybe back off a little bit, or maybe do something more fun, say, at a Friday practice. I think a, a good coach understands what his team needs. And, uh, and, I, and I think this team needs to, to, uh, to play, probably play a little bit looser uh, and relax a little bit. They have lost four in a row, but they are right in the thick of things here in the NFC North. They've got a very good chance of winning this division, and all is not lost. So... I think you have to put things in perspective that they that they are five and four, but yet they've got a very good chance to to make the playoffs. And who knows what happens once they get in the playoffs? Who was the crankiest coach you ever had during a losing streak? That's a good question. Well, I, I was pretty fortunate not to go on too many bad losing streaks. I mean, when, when I was in Miami, uh, we I think we started the season one and nine, and Juan said ended up getting fired at that point. Uh, so I don't remember him being cranky, but uh, I remember everyone could tell the, you know, the, uh, the, <laughs> it was hitting the fan. Let's just say that. <laughs> and that probably people are going to get fired and sure enough, that's what happened. So it was a very un- uncomfortable, uh, situation, but you know, we're not in that situation here in Minnesota where Zimmer is not going to get fired, uh, anytime soon. And so, you know, I don't remember, uh, to be honest with you, I've never had coaches, you know, Tom Coughlin was a guy who was. You know, let's get back to work. That was his style. Uh, Gary Kubiak was a guy that uh, was good at, you know, helping players uh, not, not, not be too stressed out about the fact you aren't playing well and just go to work and, uh, and probably kept things a little bit lighter than some other coaches. So I think every coach has their own style. 
If I were to guess, I would say Mike Zimmer is really getting back to the nitty gritty. He he said, made some comments in the last couple of weeks that he wishes he wouldn't have been so easy on them during the bye. He wishes he would have done a padded practice. He said that may, he wasn't maybe doing things his way and he wanted to get back to doing things his way. I think Zimmer's probably uh, putting the hammer down right now on this club. He seems like that kind of nose-to-the-grindstone guy that, I mean, he's going to work them, he's going to grind them, and uh, he's going to make sure that if they're going to lose, they're going to lose giving the utmost effort and, and looking like the football team he wants them to look like. Yeah, and I think Mike Zimmer doesn't like the way they're losing. You know, they, they aren't stopping the run all that well. And obviously, they're not running the ball on offense. And that's not what he stands for as a, as a head football coach. It's not what he believes in. Uh, so uh, that my guess is that's not surprising that he would go to that style of coaching, that style of practice, to, to hit more, put on the pads more. And again, I, I've been around other coaches. You know, Gary Kubiak, when I was in Houston, and I'm sure the same when now he's out in Denver, you don't wear uh, pads, football shoulder pads, Almost at all, once the season starts, you wear them for about 30 minutes of practice on the Thursday practice every week, and that's it. Uh, you don't wear them Wednesday practice at all. Uh, you don't wear them for three-quarters of the Thursday practice, and you don't wear them for the Friday practice, no matter how poorly or well you played the previous week. He just doesn't think that as professional athletes. You need it at that point in your career, uh, how to tackle and how to be tough. Again, understands the, the rigors of the long you know, really 20-game NFL season when we include the, the, the training camp and the preseason. So other coaches like Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells and Mike Zimmer, they have a very different approach. Uh, and they like putting on the pads. And in particular, if you're not playing well, they'll put on the pads more and hit even more. So that's the way that they've done it. I think both work. Uh, there's two ways to skin a cat here and both have success. And it's pretty obvious this is the way Mike Zimmer wants to do things. So in your heart of hearts, if you listen to your gut right now, do you think the Vikings are still a playoff team? I do. I think they can win. You know, I think they're going to win 10 games or, or, or at least nine games, and that might win them the division. I'm not sure if they're going to win 11 games at this point, uh, but I think they can win nine to 10 games. And if, that, if that's good enough to get, make, make the playoffs in the NFC North, then they'll get in the playoffs. Yeah, fortunately, they're not in the AFC West. If they were two games back in their division right now, I think the outlook would be much more bleak. But the Vikings are in a division with a lot of parity and at the, at the moment, a lot of mediocrity in the NFC North. And I still think they've had the highest ceiling of any team within that division. But here's the other way I look at it. You look at the offense that the Vikings have thrown out the last two weeks, and it's been a pretty decent offense. They've moved the ball. Sam Bradford has looked great. They've had over 330 yards total offense in both those games, which I think are requisite to win if the defense stabilizes. With the the coach that the Vikings have, with guys coming back from injury, that's always been their strength. And I think there's a great chance the defense does find its way and does get back on the right track. And if the offense keeps playing at the level it's at, there's going to be chances to win football games. Well, I think their biggest concern on offense is uh, the ability to score touchdowns. And they are moving the ball better the last couple of weeks. A lot of quick game, passing game, a lot of wide receiver screens. Obviously, they're not running the ball very well, uh, but they're getting the ball out. Not a ton of sacks for the most part. Uh, so they are moving the football. But... My concern is touchdowns and red zone touchdowns. And, you know, they don't run the ball well, so they're not going to run the ball into the end zone very often. 
And secondly, they don't have big receivers on the outside like, say, Julio Jones or Des Bryant, who in the red zone situations can go up one-on-one and catch those you know, those fade routes that you see, those back shoulder fade routes, those jump ball routes. They've got Kyle Rudolph at tight end, but they don't have receivers that can just straight up just beat a guy one-on-one on the outside uh, and go up for a ball to score a touchdown. Uh, so that is my concern as they get closer to the red zone, closer to the, the end zone, uh, that they're going to have trouble scoring touchdowns for the rest of the year. Man, you hear speaking is Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels 18. My name is Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. This is Locked on Vikings. Coming up tomorrow, Chris Cluey, former Vikings punter, might have some things to say about Blair Walsh and his release. Sage will join for that conversation and be back with us on Friday as well as we talk Arizona Cardinals. Thanks for listening to Locked On Vikings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.